0: Welcome to the Reimagining Faith podcast with the Pastors Jackson. This is a podcast for seekers, dreamers, and fellow sojourners who are trying to figure out what it means to be followers of Jesus in the 21st century. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Zach. How you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I haven't, I'm great. I was convincing. I was going to say never better and then having, and then I was going to say never good, um, because I was messing up the words and, you know, words, words are great. Words are the best. So fun. I have the best words. So, um, we haven't sat down at these podcast mics in a couple of months. Um, last time we were here, we were going through, we were finishing up our series on, um, our, uh, open tables, three main convictions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we finished that series and then we went into the summertime which, with several children, is just, you know, madness.
1: There are so many children. Yeah.
0: So, um, we're back, and we are uh, doing another little series here based on questions. Questions that have come from, um, well, we did a QA and a Sunday a couple months ago, and we answered some questions on the fly that people had that morning and that was a ton of fun but we didn't get to them all and so we have a couple left over from that we've asked some folks on Patreon for some questions that they have we'll ask some folks on Facebook as well and maybe even on Sunday we'll get some more questions your burning questions about about god and church and life and science and pickle recipes and whatever else that you have Um, We probably won't spend a lot of time on the pickle recipes, but I will say that uh, slices of horseradish in your pickles will add so much more crunch than you think it will. Something about the chemical composition of a horseradish just adds the best crunch to a pickle. Um, Only changes the flavor slightly. Neat. But we're not talking pickles today. Nope. No. Um, Today we are answering a question from a couple months ago. It's very easy, simple question. It should be like a three-minute episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> the question, and I think the wording of the question uh, says a lot to the heart and soul behind it and maybe the ways that, that we teach about God is that what is the difference between Jesus and God? What is the difference between Jesus and God? What do you think is behind that question?
1: So I think that the, the question probably has something to do with um, this idea of Trinity and um, who Jesus is and how that relates to God. We tend to um, speak about God in theological terms um in ways we've just thought a lot about it um and just kind of take for granted um especially as clergy people what some of these ways of understanding god like it's simple or something like yeah father son holy spirit you don't you don't understand that like um which is hilarious because i feel like Anytime we try to talk about it, like, we always fall into some kind of, like, heresy anyway. Um <laughs> So, uh, well, yeah. It's three
0: persons, one substance. Duh. Yeah. Like. Isn't that easy?
1: Right. Right.
0: Didn't we figure uh, this out, like, 1700 years ago?
1: Right. A bunch of um dead men figured it out, <laughs> and. <laughs> to be fair,
0: they weren't dead at the time.
1: Right. But um why not just blanketly believe um that room uh, of people who said this is it um
0: uh-oh i can already hear the the creedal christians uh, seething on the other end of this uh-huh.
1: sure sure what my my tongue-in-cheek comments are more to do with um not necessarily that I disagree or think that you know anything is baloney. it's more that like it's not simple like it 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 it's not something that is like duh you know um I think understand like none of us completely understand it and and also it's something that we've we've tried to to come to some conclusions so that we can understand God more, but there's an expansiveness that can't be caught in some theological hmm. uh, term or idea.
0: Yeah. Uh, tongue what in cheek, you think of behind? course, because I one of the first things I did at my previous church was I I stopped saying the creeds and Sunday mornings because I think they're uh, exclusive Mm. and they create a feeling of in and out and people just accept the words that they hear because they think they have to without understanding what they mean Mm -hmm. and the, the logic and the reasoning behind it. I mean, a lot of those early creeds, early um, councils where they're fighting about the nature of Jesus and Jesus's relation to all of divinity. I A lot of those conversations are all based out of fear, yeah, fear of the other, fear of getting it right. You're taking this sort of wisdom tradition, this way of Jesus, this Jesus tradition, in which he came and he showed us this wisdom and this way of living, this this way kind of beyond the constraints of religion. And we realized it got a little bit too big, (laughs) and we were letting you know too many people in, and nobody's quite sure who was in charge and whose words fit and so we had to have these councils in order to decide and there's probably some wisdom in that too but to decide once and for all Hmm. the final revelation of an infinite god and to just assume that a handful of privileged men can make that decision uh, Hmm. it's just it's just such hubris so i got rid of it we say on our website that you don't need to adhere to a specific set of beliefs in order to be welcome. right? In order not only to be welcome to hang out, but to be an integral part of who we are. So like somebody came up to me after a service at one point and was like, are you a universalist? Because <laughs> I am. And it was this like hush-hush thing <laughs> that like, are you allowed to be a universalist and be here in this place? Which universalism basically means, this is a my favorite way somebody explained this to me was, um everyone gets home.
2: Mm.
0: Isn't that lovely? It, it, like, I, we don't know the process, whether you know purgatory is a thing or hell is temporary <laughs> or if everyone just wakes up in paradise, but everyone gets home. That's universalism mm. in a nutshell. Um, not always a popular belief in the Western church mm. because it removes a heck of a lot of power. Mm. Um, but anyway, to answer your question, <laughs> so, I think, and I've thought this for a long time, if you were to just poll the people in a worship service on a Sunday morning, uh, a secret poll, they all had to write it down without without having to expose themselves as unknowledgeable or heretical or whatever, and you were to ask them, what is God? Hmm. Right? That's pretty foundational. We're a church. Right. Churches believe in God. Where you do the whole God thing. So, Clearly, we must have that foundation at least. But I think if you were to secretly poll everyone there, you would get as many different responses as there are people. Sure. You know, if there's 10 people there, you might even get 12 responses. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't think we can even agree on that. Yeah. So to then ask, well, what what's Jesus in relation to that, <laughs> then further complicates things. Sure. So for me personally... I have had a complicated relationship with the divine, uh, having been through a lot of damaging religious experiences, and then a lot of life-giving spiritual experiences, Hmm. to the point that there are many times in my life where even the word God made my skin crawl. And there are still times where i don't like saying the word interesting um miss wyatt you'll you'll hear me say the divine hmm. because that word to me doesn't carry the same baggage it doesn't hurt the same way um or you know i might just say spirit capital s spirit not the spirit but just hmm. spirit or The ineffable, or you know, all that is, whatever the transcendent, you know, whatever word I may use, um, other than God, because God to me, I see God the Father.
2: Mm.
0: The but I and I I don't see God the Father in theological terms, I see God the Father as the Old Testament God, (laughs) (laughs) right? So, the God of the Hebrew people is God the Father, and I see that as Renaissance paintings of an old white man, essentially Zeus, hmm. in the clouds. That's God to me. Hmm. Jesus is like God's God's kid. and um,
1: God's kid.
0: God the Father kind of chills out after he has a kid. He's not as scary as he is <laughs> in the Hebrew scriptures. And Jesus is a dude. Um, he's a Swedish dude who happens to live in the Middle <laughs> East. And... <laughs> He is like the love child of God the Father and uh, a human woman, which it pretty much shows up in every religion and mythology across the world. So, like, it's funny that the virgin birth and, you know, Jesus being human and God and all of that stuff is so weird to us now. And it's like, that's the sticking point for a lot of people. But for the people in the ancient world, they'd be like, oh, yeah, another one of them yeah sure we've got millions of them mm. the demigods of course that's a whole thing um that's hercules you know mm. um anyway and jesus is like one of us and he's kind of like he takes the place of god the father so now i don't even think about god the father now i'm just praying to jesus mm-hmm. and like the spirit is then um just sort of like the battery for the whole deal <laughs> just the the plug right so th- that's like Kind of the way that I was informally taught Hmm. how to think about these things, which is why I like to use different words, because that's none of that is helpful to me anymore.
2: Hmm.
0: None of that is good and true to me anymore like it was then. So when I think about God, I think about the overarching uh, reality of the cosmos, the kind of intelligence behind the unintelligible I wonder if, like, if we were reconstructing our faith now, knowing the cosmos the way that we know it now, if we might think of God not as living in the heavens, like as a basically us but bigger, living in the heavens above the firmament, directly above us, but we might think about God as being a a reality in higher dimensions that we can't experience, but there's parts of us that are like antennae that can pick up those frequencies in higher dimensions and that there's this intelligence that is undergirding the whole thing. And it's a personal intelligence. um, And it is one that is almost the baseline of the cosmos, you know, the the drumbeat behind the whole deal.
2: Hmm.
0: And it's both personal and deeply impersonal at the same time. And that kind of logic behind the cosmos, the, the early church and the um, first century Jews would call it the Logos, the, the Greeks also, the Logos, the logic behind the whole deal, the, the undergirding of the, the, the whole of creation is made manifest in Jesus, where like, Jesus was not present at the Big Bang. Jesus was born. Hmm. But Jesus is as much of, as much of God as you can fit into time and space, as much of the eternal that can fit in a 33-year lifespan with a carbon-based life form, right? Like there, there's, a, there's a definite translation issue of like taking Mm. the infinite and making it a a, a finite thing you know and jesus is the most that you can get from that (laughs) and then uh jesus as the embodiment of that logos as that as richard Rohr calls the universal christ as the love that undergirds all things um then dies by our hand because we were always going to kill him because that's what humans do when people ask us to be better. Mm. And um, that's the worst thing that humanity could ever do. That's our deepest, worst sin that we could ever do, that the divine love that makes the entire universe pulsate became flesh and wanted to touch us and reach out to us, and we killed it in the worst possible way, Mm. and it forgave us, so you are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your transgressions are forgiven. Your distance from the divine is forgiven. And Jesus then returns to, to that divine other, having been changed, which is wild, hmm. right? That we think about perfection in the Greek sense, which is something that is so great it can't be changed. So, we think of God as unchanging because God's perfect. And so, if it's perfect, he can't change because then it wasn't perfect before, right? That's the Greek logic. That's not Hebrew logic. Hmm. Hebrew logic, perfection, is shalom, it's just, it's the thing as it's meant to be. It's, it can change. It can be greater levels of infinite. And I think the Godhead changes after after Jesus because Jesus ascends as a human, and then unites us fundamentally with God. So we, as finite humans, become plugged into the source of the entire universe and thus attaining some eternal connection to life and life abundantly. Um, And then I think now of the Holy Spirit as all of that all of that God, (laughs) all of that Jesus um, in real time.
2: Hmm.
0: I think of the Holy Spirit as um, God within me now. So like what is God and what's the difference between God and Jesus? Um, Nothing and a whole (laughs) lot at the same time. Right. Right. Um, But I think it's probably better to say, what's the difference between Jesus and God, the father or God the Creator or the First Person of the Trinity or however gender-inclusive way you want to say that. But when we say God, we're talking about the bigger, larger reality. Hmm. Um, when most of us say God, we mean the God of the Hebrew Scriptures, God the Father in the New Testament.
1: Yeah, a, a long time ago, you asked me um, who the fa- my favorite person of the (laughs) trinity is and i said that's ridiculous um
0: but of course you had an answer
1: but i yeah of course i had an answer and and it was jesus um and i think in many ways one of the reasons why is because i have a much better understanding or resonance with a human than I do with um, something in the spiritual world. Um, Something that I can like, okay. Like we, we share um, the same skin, the same blood, the same like makeup and um, ways of being in community and having family and relationships um, whereas God is just so much bigger than than what I can hmm. i guess understand or which is like great because <laughs> um I can certainly know things and understand things, but um once I kind of come to some like concrete understanding then there's no mystery there's no there's no um there's no space for surprise and wonder. Um, and so in in many ways um, God in in God's totality is really this space where my brain and my heart can wonder um, can can be playful and also really just feel accompanied by something outside of myself that isn't like, offended or, um, pleased, uh, with my capacity to do good. Hmm. Um, there's this accompaniment, this, um, this guardian, this, this caretaker that holds all of it, Hmm. um, together. So especially when I feel like the world is just completely overwhelming and something that I can't um comprehend or understand knowing that there is this this greater being that holds all of that. Um it's super comforting. Hmm. Um but I having some delineation between God the Father, parent, creator, um And Jesus, brother, Christ, and Holy Spirit, um, mother, sister. I mean, having those delineations feels like boxes that we create so we can understand um, rather than this other thing, um, this other being. um,
0: I'm, so this is not a total tangent. But this, I would love to know, for those of you who are listening, if you are a Christian and you are familiar with the Enneagram, (laughs) I wonder if you might send us a note and tell us your Enneagram type and your favorite member of the Trinity. Because my intuition says that according to the theory of the Enneagram, every person uh, there, there are three different centers of intelligence, three different ways that we understand the world and move through it. There are people who process things primarily through their, their, their head, through their, you know, their thinking, their cognition, their reason. There's people who feel their way through the world through their emotions, through their relations to other people, and then there are people who feel it in their bodies, and, um have a harder time explaining things, but have a higher levels of intuition and uh, and things that feel right. Hmm. And I think, so I'm a nine, so I'm in the, the body, the intuition center, and I'm on team Holy Spirit. <laughs> uh, the Holy Spirit just speaks to me, that kind of um, unknowable pull I feel it in my gut. I feel it in a particular place in my gut mm. when the spirit is speaking to me. It's almost like I can place the spirit within my own body. Mm. You're a two. Twos are all about relationship and feeling and who is more embodying of that than God made relationship, Yeah, right? The Jesus that has friends and loves and is there as, as your friend and I would think that people in the head triad would be more drawn to God as concept and God, the father, God, the creator, God, the whatever you call it, Hmm. as something that's more of an idea than something that has um, a personality. Hmm. And that's just my intuition as a nine. I'm feeling that. (laughs) And uh, I'm wondering if there's any truth to that.
1: Yeah, that would be really interesting because uh, I was thinking as you were describing who you see God is. I was like, that seems really complicated. Um, that seems <laughs> like something so other that I I don't know that I can connect. And I think connection is what well, we, is really important to me, right?
0: We discern together as a people. Right. We exactly. do now. We have always done it. Nobody has invented religion on their own it is always in connection with other people right so if you assume that for as long as there have been humans there have been people who have who have moved through the world with their head and their heart and their body then there will have been people who saw god in those ways mm. and as our tribes are compiling their wisdom traditions which become religions over time I mean, a trinity kind of makes sense in that way. That these are ways that people have connected to God over time so strongly that they've become their own embodied persons. Hmm. You know, but we want to acknowledge the fact that they're all. It's all God. It's all one. It's we're not going to split these apart. We're not tritheists. But there is just different ways that we engage with God and so it kind of makes sense then that God is manifested in three hmm. because there's three ways of interpreting the world
2: hmm. um,
1: well and and it's interesting because even if I resonate more with one part of who God is like the ways that different people interpret and understand God only makes God bigger Mm. for me, you know, um, like, Oh, I had never thought of it that way or, Oh, like I'm not as like unique or different as I maybe thought, you know, like (laughs) as maybe I thought I was or um, that I'm not as, you know, like similar to everyone else, you know? So I think in, in, and and that's probably how I would describe God is like this whole other thing that I can't quite understand, but who is near and who um, who creates and who um, accompanies and comes alongside and who in all of of God's manifestations still has that common thing that mm. common string that ties all of that together so who jesus is who um god as creator parent and as spirit it's all one one thing and maybe the specificity helps us to connect mm. in different ways
0: do you remember that book that charlie used to love reading the Harold and the Purple Crayon, mm-hmm. <clears throat> where Harold has this magic purple crayon and everything he draws becomes real. Mm-hmm. And he, like, creates a dragon that's so scary to protect his apple trees that it scares him away and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm kind of imagining a, a scenario like that mm. in which you're drawing a picture, <clears throat> two-dimensional picture, right? It's just stick figures and stuff. Um, but you do such a good job at it that they come to life. And they're living on the page, they're moving around, and it's amazing. And you love it, because you made it. And you want your little characters on your little two-dimensional piece of paper to thrive. And so you, you know, you maybe draw them some food, and they've got food there, and it's, they're living in the world of circles and triangles and squares and lines and all of that. Those are the things you have in two dimensions. But you are a three-dimensional being, and you can't directly interact in two dimensions with them. When you put your finger onto the page, depending on how you put your finger in, they either see a circle or a rectangle, depending on how much of your finger you put in. You look different depending on how you touch the paper. They'll never know the full you, Hmm. but you want them to know you because you made them and you love them and they can know you through just inferring because you created that thing and so like wow our creator loves stick figures because they made so many of them (laughs) our creator loves making apple trees with that one little knot in the middle where an owl lives that we all draw as kids because that's all i know how to do um (laughs) you can infer certain things about the artist from the two-dimensional world. But every time the three-dimensional artist interacts with it, it comes across differently, Mm. you know? And so that artist is both intimately, relationally connected and also infinitely unknowable on the outside.
2: Mm.
0: And it's like, um, we'll never fully know what it's like to be in two dimensions Mm. because you're in three dimensions. But, um, yeah, so I I play around sometimes with this idea of of a completely unknowable, transcendent God whose existence is in planes of of reality that my brain cannot comprehend, and so I don't have even words to describe the concepts that are beyond three or four dimensions. But at the same time, a being, an intelligence, a love that exists— um within our own dimensional space that is reaching out and desires to pull us in like gravity and i mean that's just that's just a fun metaphor thought experiment there's all kinds of holes in that obviously but i like to imagine what even in our own you know natural world what a five dimensional being how they could interact in three dimensions with us what 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 would that look like when they entered into our space and when they left our space hmm. um there's a there's a great book um i forget which one it is kurt vonnegut has this um recurring character kilgore trout who's an author who's a science fiction author that just has the the worst luck and never sells anything and is miserable and he wrote him into so many books
2: hmm.
0: and then at one point he felt the desire to set his character free that mm. he tortured him enough and he <laughs> wanted him to just go on. And so he wrote himself into the book <laughs> as Kurt Vonnegut and like scared the hell out of Kilgore trout. Like <laughs> you're in a book, I'm your creator um, and I'm setting you free. And he's like, get out of here. What is wrong with you? You crazy person. Um <laughs> just love this idea of the creator trying to enter into the work in a way that makes sense to those that are in the created work.
1: Hmm. Um, Which is probably why all of our depictions of God look like humans. Like,
2: hmm.
1: we take the whole being created in God's image as God looking and existing like we do, yeah. Which may maybe, maybe if 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 God has a face like that's, it would look something like us, um, or maybe it would look like us, and so many other things, right? Mm. So there's this bigness that that I think we can't quite comprehend. But also, like, we can see and sense the residue and how, how that being um, impacts us and affects
0: us. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of Xenophanes, who was a uh, ancient Greek philosopher, um, scientist- critical thinker sort of guy around about the time that the greeks were slowly becoming monotheists and just like god is supremely other some some whatever reject the the many pantheon gods so he said that the the pantheon of gods you know all of zeus and hades and all of them they don't make any sense because they're just you Hmm. but bigger they're just awful humans (laughs) who have awful human emotions and do awful things, but they have superpowers. Hmm. He didn't use that word, but he said, if the horses had believed in religion, then all of their gods would be horses. Hmm. You know, if all of the the Nubian gods, they're all black and all of the Greek gods, they're all white Hmm. and all the Parthian gods, they've all got red hair. Now, why do you think that is? Hmm. It's because they're not real. They're just, you have created bigger versions of yourself in order to justify your own power and Mm. feel better about yourself. Kind of like work out your own issues in a bigger, more grander sense so that you can figure out how to live in the small ways. Mm. You know, we make up stories about gods that are like us so that we can figure out how we can live in the normal times, Mm. right? And so we absolutely do that with God, even though you know one of the ten Commandments is, "Hey, don't do that." <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. make no graven image, I think, you know, sure. that's the official one. but it's basically, hey, don't don't make me into one of your little idols where you're I'm just a bigger version of you. Mm, yeah, don't do that. This is why, you know uh, most Jewish people won't even say the the name of God you know mm-hmm. yod hey vav hey they won't pronounce that because even that is a graven image yeah. you know we don't we don't have portrayals of god because then you've now reduced it to a bigger version of you
2: hmm.
0: which we've done clearly
1: yeah and i <sighs> and i feel like many of us um especially with lighter skin um have seen images of Jesus as that um attractive white guy with like wavy brown hair and
0: um such good hair,
1: yeah, and a nice little beard sometimes or not. Um, but I think, like what captures my attention and my imagination is like seeing a bunch of different depictions all at the same time because Mm. that feels more full um it feels more like if if we all bear the image of some uh, of this god and there's all of us and then one face wouldn't really be the one right so i i don't i i think that you know there is something in these different depictions that tell me something different about God um, and the beauty that exists in the fullness rather than the specific. What
0: well, is the problem with Jesus? Jesus is specific. Right. Jesus is not the fullness. Jesus does not represent all humanity. True. Jesus is a man from the ancient Near East. He lived a life he had a skin color he had a hair type he uh, as far as we know had a penis it's never talked about specifically Mm. um though there's a fascinating history of the relic of christ's foreskin that um actually no it jesus penis is talked about specifically because he was circumcised anyway maybe we'll do a whole episode on the great history of jesus's foreskin which went missing in the 80s and nobody knows where it is now.
1: I mean probably not. But
0: <laughs> I think that's that's like my next true crime podcast. Cool, cool. <laughs> Nicole is like shivering over here. She's yeah. like oh, I don't want to talk about it. But he's particular. I mean this was one of the critiques of the early uh, feminist theology movement was like can a male savior save women? Hmm. The scandal of the particular it's the word made flesh you've got god is anything to anyone you can make god into whatever because god is other and transcendent but jesus has to be one thing
2: hmm.
0: and that's hard for people that actually makes our like interfaith work harder too hmm. it's easy to be vague with spirit
1: right it, which is so so i said earlier that um that my my favorite person of the Trinity because we're saying it's person um, is Jesus because I um, in the Latin
0: sense of person
1: right um but I think in some ways like spirit captures my imagination in a more broad way um, because can't quite nail that down to any specific um, and that allows that allows space for the feminine. And it allows the space for God to be completely other and therefore something that causes awe. And
0: well, you mentioned the feminine, and that's something else that comes out of the feminist theology movement um, starting in the 70s and all that, that um, especially the Western Catholic tradition of. The immaculate conception which is that mary's conception was immaculate as in um she was when she was conceived so mary is a blameless vessel in order to carry the christ um through the teachings of the church the if, if they believed in uh original sin which is like something passed down genetically it comes from the father Because that is what they believed was where the essence of a person came from. That the woman was just a vessel and that the the father was the the source of all the good stuff. And Mm -hmm. so what they accidentally ended up writing into their own theology was that in order to save the world, God had to send a man who was born without men. (laughs) Like, in order to create the perfect man, God needed to do so without patriarchy. Two levels removed. Hmm. Jesus didn't have an earthly father. Mary didn't have an earthly father because you needed to like remove Uh. completely men from the picture in order for a man to be born who is capable of saving the world because all other men are incapable of that kind of work. Now there was no problem with the fact that there were women involved in creating and passing them along. Women aren't the problem, men are the problem. They accidentally did this like, They were not thinking of this when they were writing these doctrines and having these discussions and whatnot, but they kind of accidentally wrote into it uh, this very fierce critique of patriarchy, (laughs) which is wonderful, Hmm. right?
1: (laughs) Interesting. Mm -hmm.
0: Like, oh, no, you have a male savior. How can a male savior save women? Well, we could only have a male savior who was born without men because... uh, They're the problem.
1: (laughs) So I think like this answer is pretty cut and dry, right?
0: As with all of our podcast episodes, we have a very simple question with a very simple answer.
1: Correct. Yeah. I think that (laughs) it's kind of one of the beauties of Christian community is that we can do this together. Um, And each of us, when we allow ourselves to not be limited, Mm -hmm. um, can help us to understand and experience God in never-ending ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Not have a final treatise that we have to all agree with. While also making claims like Mm -hmm. there's this very organic and specific and unique and general (laughs) way you know we speak about god in the ways that we can but it's never it's never defined um completely
0: yeah even (laughs) charlie found a um a heavy air quotes here, very big air quotes, comic book, um, the other day, uh, that was given to him by a, a church, um, out at National Night Out. Um, it was a tract. It was, it was one of those salvation tracts mm-hmm. about how you're not good enough. And, you know, you are a dirty, dirty boy who sins in your mind. And so God hates you and needs Jesus to die in order to cover your sins essentially um yeah it was it was lovely because you know our son who comes to church every single sunday absorbed more from that tract than he does from any of our services apparently because he was totally into it and was like wait god died <laughs> what what i are like oh well yeah, Jesus Jesus died, but the, he didn't he didn't stay dead. He was like, Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, that's Easter. Um But like <laughs> God died. Did God die? When Jesus died? Did God die? Did like a third of God die? Did I was like what what? The, what? The kind of those kinds of questions, like even for you know, I don't even know how to answer him. I think theologians have asked that question right. many, many, many times. Was the father crucified on the cross as well? Hmm. Was God gone for a weekend or just apart? And then did you divide the Trinity when Jesus died? Hmm. Did, right. The whole thing falls apart precisely because we are using very human terms to describe something that is much bigger You know, It's the Mm. people on your page in two dimensions trying to describe what your pen looks like as it interacts on their plane of two dimensions. Mm. And it changes depending on how it's touching the paper, and it seems like a contradiction. There's no way that it could possibly be both a line and a square and a circle, but yet it's just how you're interacting with the paper. And so they're using two-dimensional words to describe a three-dimensional reality, and they always fall short. Mm. So likewise we use these words of they are three persons. They are one God. They are one substance. Jesus died, his spirit, his soul, his body, his whatever. These are all two-dimensional words to describe a three-dimensional reality. Hmm. And so they will always fall short. And we always need that to remember that these are all metaphors. <laughs> Jesus is not literally the son of God. Um, God is not literally the father Um These are words that we use as metaphor to help describe something that is dimensions of reality above us.
1: So I'm curious, listeners, um, how would you define God? What, What descriptors would you use to describe God and God's work in the world? How would you describe who Jesus is? who Holy Spirit is, what words do you use to describe this infinite being and reality? Tell us. That's a, a real question.
0: Yeah, and I'm not going to end the episode right here so that your podcast feed can jump on to the next thing that you're consuming. We're going to add a minute or two of light meditative music
1: that's a good idea so
0: we invite you to take this time if you'd like and if you're able if you're in a good space to do so to contemplate that question to ask yourself how you define god and if you have come to an answer that you want to share please do
2: mm-hmm